0: Well, hey, it's Jason here. I'm one of the pastors at The Way Church here in Vancouver, and I'm so glad you've joined us for our weekly podcast. Before we jump into today's message, I wanted to mention that we have online Christmas Eve services happening, and we design them uh, with you and your friends in mind. We've got two different style services, one for families happening at 4 p.m., 5 p.m. and 6 p.m., and then one that's more of a candlelight-style service, a bit more reflective. At 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, you can find out all the information about all those services at christmas.thewaychurch.ca. Okay, let's jump in.
1: Okay, here we go, guys. Okay. Oh, day. G'day, I'm Benji, Benji Wild. and today I'm going to read you a story from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Now, I've said it before, I really like reading sometimes. Helps you learn about the wild, and then when you're back in the bush, you got lots to talk about. All right, let's get to it. The story today is the King of all Kings. The story of three wise men from Matthew 2. Far away in the east, three clever men saw the very same star. The star that God had put in the sky When Jesus was born, they knew it was a sign. A baby king had been born. They had been waiting for his star. They knew it would come. He's here, they shouted. He's here. And I'm sure if you'd been there, you would have heard them laughing and dancing and singing until the sun came up. At dawn, they packed up all their camels and wrapped gifts for the baby. They brought their most precious treasures of all, frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Special, sparkly, lovely-smelling, gleaming things just right for a king. You can see them there on the balcony. That's quite a big star. That's that's a bit bigger than maybe a real star. That's dramatized maybe for us to get the idea. Okay. Three wise men. The three wise men, actually, if you'd met them, you'd have thought they were kings because they were so rich and clever and important-looking, they set off. They rode their camels through, across endless deserts, up steep, steep mountains, down into the deep valleys, through raging rivers, over grassy plains. You know, I've got to say, I think this is my favorite part of the story, this journey in the bush. Oh, it's, oh, it's great. Night and day, day and night, for hours that turned into days, that turned into weeks, that turned into months and months, until at last they reached... Jerusalem. Jerusalem was by far the most important city for miles around. As anyone can tell you, that's where a a palace would be, and kings are born in palaces. So that's where they went. But they were in for a surprise, let me tell you guys. They went to see King Herod. Surely he'd know where this baby was, but he didn't. In fact, he didn't like the sound of a new king. It made him cross. Now, cross means angry, if you're not familiar with the word "cross. The king became cross. He didn't want anyone to be king except him. But Herod's advisers took the three wise men, uh, told the uh, Herod's advisors, told the three wise men what was written in their books, what God had said about the baby king. Go to Bethlehem. that's where you'll find him. Suddenly, the star they had seen in the east started moving again, showing them the way. So the three wise men followed the star out of the big city along the road into the little town of Bethlehem. They followed the star through the streets of Bethlehem, out of the nice part of town, through the not-so-nice part of town, into the really not-so-nice part of town, down a little dirt track until it stopped right over a little house. But wait, it wasn't a palace. And there weren't any guards or servants or flags or red carpets or trumpets or anything, guys. Did they get it wrong, or was this what God meant? Sure enough, in that little house, they were sitting on his mother's knee. They found him, the baby king. The three three men knelt down before the little king. They took off their rich royal turbans and gleaming golden crowns. They bowed their noble heads to the ground and gave him their sparkling treasures. The journey that had begun so many centuries before had led three wise men here to a little town, to a little house, to a little child. To the king God had promised David all those years before. But this child was a new kind of king. Though he was the prince of heaven, he had become poor. Though he was the mighty God, He had become a helpless baby. This king hadn't come to be the boss. He had come to be a servant. Well, there you have it, kids. That's the story of three wise men meeting baby Jesus. That's great. Okay. I'm
0: going to head back into the wild. Well, Hey everyone, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here and I've got five presents in front of me. They're empty. Okay. There's no moment at the end where I'm going to show you what's inside, but I am going to explain what each one of them means. And so by the end of this, you're going to know about all five presents and you're going to know why the biggest bow is on this last one. And one thing I should tell you about myself is that I find it very hard to pick Christmas gifts for the people I love the most, like this Christmas. I'm trying to decide what to give Rachel, my wife, and my kids Hudson, Mary, and Millie. And I want to find the perfect gift for them. You know, I want to find a gift that expresses just how much I love them, but also says something special about who they are. And I remember as a kid, maybe I was 9 or 10, and I got a special gift from my mom and dad. They got me, wait for this, a snare drum. A snare drum is like the middle drum in a drum set. And that year I wanted to learn drums so badly. And even though they didn't get me a whole drum set, I felt so loved and so thought of. They got me the perfect gift. And maybe you have a gift like that in your memory, a special gift that someone gave to you. And you said that was the perfect gift. And I want to take a moment and I want to think about the gifts that the Magi brought Jesus in the story that we just heard. To remind you, the story that Benji shared was from Matthew chapter 2 And in verse 11, it says this, On coming to the house, they, referring to the Magi, saw the child Jesus with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. And then it says this, Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And these are kind of unique gifts to give to a child, aren't they? But I think what we're going to discover is that they were actually the perfect gifts to bring to Jesus. Let's look at each gift one at a time. The first one, the first gift, here we go, gold. Now you probably know what gold is. Gold is a very precious metal. It's worth lots of money and it can be used to make jewelry, uh, fine things. It can be even used to buy things that are extremely expensive. And gold is a gift that's set aside for royalty. It's a gift for a king. And the Magi might not have known this, but That was a perfect gift for Jesus. Because Jesus, although he was a child and he didn't live in a castle, he was indeed a king. And not just any king. Jesus is the greatest king. He's the king with authority over the whole world and universe. Jesus is the king of all kings. So gold was a perfect gift for Jesus. The other gifts start to get a bit strange at this point because the second gift was here we go. Frankincense. Frankincense is a really nice smelling substance that's often used for perfume. It's actually made of this like gummy resin that comes from inside of a tree and all over the world it was used for perfume. But in Israel, where Jesus was born, it was used for a very special purpose. It was used by priests as part of the different activities for worshiping God in the temple. So frankincense was an incense used for worshiping God. Now the Magi knew that Jesus was a special child, but I wonder if they knew that Jesus was God himself. What a perfect gift frankincense is for Jesus. Incense used for worshiping God now being offered to the child Jesus who is God himself. Perfect gift. The third gift. The most strange of the three gifts. Uh, sometimes I think the third wise man or the third Magi rather might have been like, Oh man, I really blew it with this gift, but no, it's, it's a perfect gift. It was myrrh. Now here's why it's interesting. Myrrh like frankincense comes from like a sap in a tree and, and, but it had a very different use. It wasn't used, um, it, yeah, it smelled really good as well. Like frankincense, but it it had a very different use. It wasn't used for perfume and it wasn't used in worship. It was used to prepare people who passed away for burial. It was something used for someone who was dead or dying. And believe it or not, this is actually a perfect gift for Jesus, because Jesus came to die for the sins of the world. God sent Jesus to live the life we could not live. And He sent Jesus to die in our place so that death would lose its sting and its stench. These were really. The perfect gifts for jesus now the magi they might not have known or had a clue just how perfect they were but when matthew the gospel writer wrote the story down he knew exactly why he needed to include these details gold a gift for a king for jesus the king of all kings frankincense a perfect gift for worshiping god and myrrh a perfect gift for the jesus who would give his life away so that you and i could find full life so that's the first three gifts, but what about these other two? Cause I got two more gifts here. This gift represents the gift that we bring. Now, what gift should you and I bring to Jesus? Like, what is the perfect gift that you or I, like if we had to give Jesus the gift, what would we give? And I'm thinking about that song. I don't know if you know the little drummer boy song, you know, it goes like over and over again, like. You know, I've got no gift to give. Purumpa pum pum, Mary. There's like, it, there's a lot going on and a lot of purumpa pum pums. I always loved it because I love to play drums. Now, to be clear, it's a pretend story. But here is what the pretend story is saying in the song there's a young boy, and there are people on their way to bring Jesus gifts. And they're going to give gifts to the child King Jesus. And he sees the really nice, fancy gifts that they're giving like gold and fancy things. And he thinks to himself, I don't have anything like that to give to Jesus. Then he thinks, but I do play drums. Maybe I could play a song for him. And so he plays the song for the child and it says that the child looks at him and he smiles. This simple gift of playing the drums pleased Jesus. And so what is the perfect gift that you and I can bring that will please Jesus? The perfect gift that you can give Jesus is yourself. It's me. I'm the gift to give Jesus. When we give Jesus what we have in our hands, like the little drummer boy did, it's a symbol of our heart. It's like saying, I am all yours, God. My kids... Hudson, Mary, and Millie, they like to bring me gifts. And usually it's like pictures and drawings because they don't own a lot of possessions. So they make things, they draw pictures for us. And here's the thing, Millie, my youngest, she's three. She draws the most beautiful and lovely pictures, but her lines aren't as straight as Hudson's lines. And the details, they're not as precise as Mary's, but I love the drawings that Millie gives me. I love them more than if she had given me someone else's art. Like imagine if she thought, oh, my dad won't like my drawings because they're imperfect. So she went and she took her brother or sister's drawings and gave me those. They wouldn't be as valuable to me. What's most valuable to me is when she gives me her very best and I love them and I treasure them. And that is what you and I do. We bring our imperfect, not as good as we would like to be selves to God. And we offer our whole selves as a gift. And when we give our resources and skills and passions and hopes and dreams, and even our hurt and our fears, and we bring it to Jesus in worship, it pleases God. This is what Romans chapter 12 says. The writer says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. That's the gift we give God, ourselves. Now, what is this last gift? This last gift is the gift that God gives. John three sixteen says this, for God so loved the world that he gave. Can I just underline the word gave? That is just what God loves to do. He's the greatest gift giver. God so loved the world that he gave, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God is the great gift giver, and he loves you, and he loves me, and he loves our neighbors, and he loves this whole world so much that he gave the most costly, the most precious, and the most valuable gift. He gave himself, he gave us Jesus. God the Father sent God the Son to enter into human history, taking on the form of a child, subjecting himself to all of the pain and suffering of humanity. And on top of that, the king, the king who we worship came to die in our place, taking on all of our shame and all of our guilt. And on the cross, he took it away because he loves us. This Christmas, many gifts will be exchanged. And in the midst of it all, let us remember the great gift giver and his great gift. God loves you so much. He gave his son Jesus so that through him, you might have life and have it to the full. Merry Christmas.